Yo, I put it like wow, this that sound These oaks don't work hard like me, I hope they know by now Bail, bail, stand my ground Throw these money trees, go overseas like Percy Tau I'll make sure you stay around, quiet when I'm under loud No negatives allowed, me positivity took a vow I always play to win, don't anticipate loss Mind always in the clown, my boy Never think about the drop, never ever ever think about the drop Welcome to it, sports fans. It is the MKT Show. Straya. Straya done it, didn't they? It's more English. But they have done it, the bastards. They are good. They are so, so good. Australia won the Cricket World Cup in India with all the pitch doctoring um, that they wanted to, to do and did. Um, incredible that India keep getting away with this, but incredible. It's just incredible. Like, like Australia in the final, of course they're going to win. So we'll talk about that today. Tell you where I was right, where I was wrong. Hope you had the weekend of your lifetime. Hope you had the best day of your life. Whatever you're doing today, I hope this was the best day of your life. And if not, that's okay. By the way, you're allowed to have a bad day. This is not a movie. Can't just say, cut, let's move, let's do that again. You know? These things happen. These things happen. Got to tell you, I have not been feeling incredible in the last week or the week since I got back from Paris. But over the last three days or so, so I trained pretty hard last week, back in the mix, prepping for a hundred miler, you know how it goes. I've been feeling amazing. Back to, I would say somewhere like 80, 90%. Feels good. Went for physio yesterday. So that feels good. Feeling good. It's great to be great. I've got to tell you. So the last three days have been the best three days of the last, I don't know, two weeks. It's amazing. It's amazing to feel amazing. But I guess you've got to feel a little bit cruddy to know. Because I came back with a little bit of a, people were saying on the podcast, Bree, you sounding a bit nasally there. Like, what's going on? Blow your nose, someone said. <laughs> it was very funny. But I feel amazing. Jeez, it's great to feel great. So just thought I'd share that. And if I guess if you're listening to this and now you've got flu on the couch, you're like, bro, why are you telling me that? I'm sick. I just got sick because flipping Sandra at the office can't stay at home when she's sick. What's up with those people, hey? There's nothing worse than people who are sick and they like have to prove it to the crew. Like, oh, I'm going to come to the office. Just stay at home, you bloody Clown, why do people do that? I can understand it in environments where you work by yourself or, or like one or two of you, you know. But if you work with like 60 people at a bank, why are you coming to work sick? You're not a hero. You're not on the front line. It's not WW3. You're not a hero. What you are is a knob who's making everyone sick. That's what you're doing. I don't know if it's corporate pressure, though. People are just like, you have to show up. Maybe it's Instagram culture as well, you know? Like, hey, dog, I got to get mine, bro. Ain't, ain't nothing keeping me down. And that pressure in society, like, doesn't make people think, you know? It's like, stay at home. Why are you not saying, why do we need to get sick because you're sick? You, you got to ask yourself that. You're sick and now 13 people are sick. 
Like, oh, I just had to. The team needs me. Like, no, uh, unless you're like upper middle management. You know, or like, yo, I'd say upper middle management and upwards. They don't need you. You're you're giving yourself too much credit, especially in a corporate. Like most corporates are set up to, like most people, unless, unless you're like Adrian Gore, right? Very few companies need the middle management. Let's just face it. Like I was working in a company in marketing, which was quite a small company, but nobody needed me. I left the company. The company's carried on. I don't know how they're doing, but the doors are still open. You know what I mean? Like stay at home. What are you doing? Anywho. I mean, I probably sound like that, um, you know, when people, so I'll give you an example that I can relate to, is when people stop drinking, they think they're so much better than everyone else. I did for like two years. So you think you're so much better than anyone else. I probably sound like that guy, you know, like I was feeling horrible. I'd probably, and I was like carrying on a little bit with life. But now that I'm feeling well, I'm like, oh, if you're sick, get away from me. Gross. Stay away from me. Why wouldn't you stay away from people feeling feeling terrible, sterile? So I probably sound like that guy. Like a bit of a... Or, or I think the best example is people who are sort of hedonistic. You know? And then they they find Jesus, usually. Or, or Allah. Like, depending where you are in the world. Shout out to, shout out to you who's into that whole world. But you, you've seen those people. They're the worst. They're the worst at like, I was that, like having 30 beers and then having 100 shots. Like every night I'm out doing, I don't know, cocaine or strippers bodies. And then all of a sudden they find Jesus. And now they're the best person in the world. And you just wouldn't understand until you found Jesus. You know, you're like, like, no, bro. Bro, I saw you having your 100th shot. For like three years every Saturday night. Can't do that. But I probably sound like that guy now. Now that I'm feeling better. You know. It is what it is. It's great to be great. It's great to be great. And if you're sick. Well it's your fault. You know. You, you shouldn't have gotten sick. Because <laughs> I'm fine now. So I can say that now. Can't blame us. Because you're sick. All right, what are we what are we doing today? Um, as I do every Monday, where I was right, where I was wrong. Um, tell you where I was right, where I was wrong. So I make calls. Um, I may make them on the show. I may make them on the socials. Um, make big calls. Big calls. Get it right, get it wrong. Uh, I'll tell you where I was right, where I was wrong. And then I'm going to talk about Australia, mate. The cricket team. Obviously, Australia. And the Springboks. And I was really thinking about Australia today as I saw them demolishing India and some life lessons that I think are very valuable for all of us. I, I loved seeing that Australia and the spin box, what they have in common. We'll talk about that and then I'll get out of here. Um, <laughs> thought I'd just get started with this one. Everton have been given a 10 point deduction. It's absolutely crazy. Do you know for administration, it's nine points. So I, I don't want to I don't want to get into the idiosyncrasies because I think I'll do another. I'll talk about it a bit um, as things unravel. Obviously, with uh, Man City with 115 charges, there's some nice comparisons to make. And I, I need to find out from people, what are the charges Man City are facing? Because of the 115 charges, there surely has to be 
four that are e- the equivalent of what um, Everton are doing. Although having said that, one thing I didn't realize was the type of numbers that we're talking about with Everton here. They're three hundred million pounds in in debt. So the, the, they've gone past the threshold. I think you can be, the, the, well, the Premier League says you can be a hundred million, uh, right? You can be a hundred million over the three-year course in debt, right? That, that's the level of debt you can sort of. That's your threshold. They are three hundred million pounds. What are they doing? So, like, my position was this is crazy, but then I started to see the size of the numbers. That we're talking about 300 million for one of the biggest clubs in the world is unacceptable. What are they doing up there? Are they running it like a spuzzer shop or what? What are we doing? So when you start to look at those numbers, I don't feel sorry for Everton because they're making all sorts of COVID excuses. But then why are you buying James Rodriguez and those guys? What are we? You can't have it both ways. So, listen, it's been fractious between the fans and the ownership um, at Everton for a long time. And I've said, to me, it's a shambles um, just from the outside, seeing how they try to build a team with just pure cash and Ancelotti. What was Ancelotti doing there? Can't have Carlo Ancelotti. I've always said, a six can't date a ten, guys. Carlo Ancelotti's a ten. Everton are, at best, a five. Right? At the moment. I mean, one of the greatest clubs in terms of heritage in the history of football. Obviously, second longest um, lack of relegation streak in the um, English Premier League or the top level, first division. But five shouldn't date tens. Because let me tell you why. The gap between you two, right? That number is there's natural tension in relationships anyway. But the gap between a 5 and a 10 means you're adding 5 points of tension into normal relationships. And normal relationships are tense anyway because people are complicated. So if she's a 5, or if you're a 5 and she's a 10, you're adding 5 points of tension into whatever situation you're in. So your relationship starts basically at a 5 level of tension. And it's just going to be piled on. And by the way, you can get to 11 out of 10. Don't ask me the maths. I'm not a psychiatrist, but you can get to 11 out of 10 tension in human relations, especially when we're talking about romantic stuff. So for me, I'm my position softening towards the Premier League when I saw the types of numbers we're talking about. Like, how do you let it get that far out of hand? Guys, it's over three years as well. I don't want to hear about COVID. Like, everyone went through COVID. Everyone's selling people off. I don't want to hear you couldn't sell players at the prices that you thought you could because of covid and well what are we doing chasing hummus rodriguez and those guys what a mess and, and i've said it before i said everton was a shambles when i saw carlo ancelotti i'm like guys what are we doing that's not how you do it you build team first first of all get your management right then you build the team then you get a football director and then you get carlo ancelotti because carlo ancelotti is like a supermodel, right? Supermodels are rich and good-looking, so they're going to have expectations that when they come to your house, it's a penthouse, obviously, with underfloor heating. They, If she's walking bloody the fashion ways of Paris and New York, she's not coming to stay with me 
in my tiny cottage in Parkhurst. It's just not happening. And it's not a reasonable expectation of me. So what are we doing? Don't talk, don't talk to me about personality. Grow up. Carlo Ancelotti can't manage Everton. It's nonsense. Because Carlo Ancelotti is used to Andrei Shevchenko. They could dominate Calvert-Lewin. What are we doing? What are we doing? Carlo Ancelotti's... It's like people, some people drink Greek coffee and some people are drinking artisanal specialty roast. Guys like Carlo Ancelotti cannot be coming to Everton to be coaching Dominic Calvert-Lewin. That's not what he's doing. There's, there's Sean Dyke for that. At that level, the creme de la creme, right, are just motivating guys. That's why Mourinho can't work. And at United, it didn't work. And I don't think it's going to work at Roma. Mourinho just needs to motivate players. Carl Ancelotti needs to motivate players. Pep Guardiola isn't really coaching, right? I mean, he's a, he's a good tech, tactician, and, and so are those other two. But, but most of it is there's a reason why they have to get the best players because they don't really want to be coaching. They're just like, here's what you need to do. Here's where you need to be. And here's how the system works. Now go and do it. Whereas with Dominic Calvert-Lewin versus Andrei Shevchenko, you've literally got to be telling Calvert-Lewin what sort of runs to be making. Ancelotti's going, what are we doing? I, mean, I need to go smoke another cigarette here. So Everton's been a shambles with Mashiri and, and this new group forever. Ten points. Boy, oh boy. That's nuts, though. Ten points is nuts. They're going to appeal. Looking forward to seeing how that turns out. would love to hear people's thoughts. If you're in the finance world, I mean, I've really tried to look into it. If you're in the finance world, perhaps you could drop me an email to explain it better to me. I understand it's the interest on the stadium is actually what Everton were trying to get away with here, basically. Uh, and that's the big that's the big issue, that that's, that's accrued beyond the point that's acceptable for the Premier League. And I get why the Premier League would punish them, because he, these top businessmen know what they're doing. Imagine if Everton get away with it. What are Man City going to do? You can now be building financial sort of buffers into other spaces where you're going, oh, well, you know. So you you just cannot allow Everton to get away with this because if you allow them to get away with it, what do you think Todd Bully's going to do? Like, let, let's... The Aston Villa guys, these are some of the wealthiest people in the world. Newcastle, imagine what Newcastle would get away with in terms of building funds into the stadium and going oh, well, listen, we should get away with it because we're padding the interest on that. We should be able to get away with that and creating revenue through that or calling calling that and putting that on the books so that it looks hysterical, which is, I think, what Everton are trying to do. If you're in the finance world, I'd love to hear from you. What is actually going on with Everton here? What, what are they actually in trouble for? Because I can read it. I don't have a high-level understanding of finance so i'd love to hear from people if you're in the finance world and i understand what's going on when i read it obviously like every layman but i'd love to hear from people if you're in the finance world mkt at the mkt show uh, i was listening to kieran Maguire. uh he's he's a brilliant financial expert and he broke it down so he he does a really really nice job of breaking down exactly what they're being um fine for and what the deduction for but 10 points guys nine points is for administration 
everybody's speculating that the Premier League is doesn't want the um, the regulator. Obviously, now that's Everton people saying that because they're running a spaza shop. But really, what the Premier League wants to show is, hey, listen, we've got teeth. We don't want an independent regulator because once the independent regulator actually starts to look into the clubs, and now they got to look at Man City, and now they got to look at Newcastle, and it sounds like there's something bubbling at Chelsea, which is making me anxious because um, Roman is one of you know obviously Roman Abramovich gave me a childhood like or, or my teens were certainly something which and my twenties were just as a football fan the best, but it sounds like there could be something bubbling there. What happens if an independent regulator actually has to look at the books of every single club independently and makes the Premier League actually stick to the rules? You know, because then the 115 charges that City have are now not being looked at by in-house people who are trying to protect the brand. It's going to be people who are probably being looked at by the by the UK government. And, you know, once the politicians get in there, they love nothing more than holding, especially in the modern era, there's nothing governments love more than exposing billionaires. Which is why I think the NFL keeps the grubby hands of government out of there. And those 32 billionaires don't just let anyone come and own it. It's you you got to go through a test. And by the way, we got to know, what's this What's this machin plan about? You see, that's why the NFL um, keeps it in the family and quite literally hands it down to families, is, listen, guys, we're all here. Let's keep the money in-house. And anything that happens, the, the one nightmare for the NFL owners, if they ever had to open up their books to the public, that would be a disaster for them. That's why you never really hear too much about how much NFL teams actually make. Have you ever seen how quarterback numbers, the, the roster numbers, everything's out in the open in the NFL? Not how much they make. Major League Baseball, you don't know how much is going into the team's books because those don't have to go public. It's a private company. And that's why you do that. I don't think the Premier League owners and the Premier League would want the grubby hands of government actually opening these books up to the public because I would imagine there's some creative accounting going on. Like the Premier League, just it's such a financial juggernaut and there's just too much money in it with the partners. And also... If the Premier League get an independent regulator, by the way, and look, we've seen we've seen the other leagues struggle. The Premier League is the biggest cash cow outside of the NFL, right? The NFL's the NFL's the cash cow in the world, but the Premier League is the biggest product in the world, right? It's the most ubiquitous product in the world. The last thing billionaires want is for people to start looking around there that are pen pushers because pen pushers don't like successful people. Usually, governments like to restrict. That's why you need the free the free market, right? Now, listen, I'm a left leaning person, and you know, if you've heard my previous interviews, I'm very left leaning. But I'm, I'm not. I'd like to think I'm not stupid. Like we're in a capitalist world. It's a, it's the most dynamic system to get things done and improve human standards of living. The last thing the Premier League wants is <laughs> listen. Look what happened with Abramovich and how quick that was. By the way. How incisive the British government just frees everything. And government employees love it when they catch out billionaires, especially in today's environment. We're in such a we're in such a righteous indignation 
mood right now. The Premier League does not want to get into that world. So they've got to go, we can be independent. The government can trust that we will hold ourselves accountable. Now, this is where I've always said the NFL wins. They got a guy called Roger Goodell. Right? He's the NFL commissioner. His job is to basically keep the owner's rights and money in-house and keep the government away. That's what Roger Goodell... So the Roger Goodell hands out... He doles out all the punishments. Like if teams are... If there's any sort of identity politics stuff, if there's any domestic violence stuff, like Roger Goodell is the commissioner of the NFL. So he he actually juices the league by handling the corporate side of it and ensuring that the partners are happy. But the other side Roger Goodell has to deal with is creating the disciplined structures for the teams should they transgress, right, without the government getting involved. So his job is to essentially ensure that there's as much perceived parity as is possible and that everyone's playing ball, you know. And then the government will leave it alone because these are these are companies that are just bringing in five, six billion dollars uh, into every state that they're in. The government's going to leave it alone. And OK, as long as you guys aren't making too much noise and we're not, we're not hearing too much malarkey. But but as you've just seen, right, in Washington, like that guy was just an absolute joke. In fact, the billionaires got got rid of him because once you have that, right, is yet they had to get rid of that ownership. It's like okay, that guy's causing attention. The government's going to look here, and the first thing the government wants to do is show us your books. Actually, while we're here, so Everton is a shambles, and the Premier League, and quite rightly, if if I was the Premier League, I don't want the government involved. Governments are not good for business. What they're good for is creating uh, spaces that are safe to conduct business. That must be their job. I do not want the British government getting involved in the Premier League. Like, get out of there. The reason California works is that they, like, keep the government out of it. Governments are good for administration, and that's all they should be doing is pen pushing. And they want to catch out the billionaires. The Premier League cannot afford that. I think we can see it. So I, I hope Everton aren't going to cause... They're going to ruin a favor, aren't they? Bloody toffees. 10 points is insane. Listen, just a quick one. Is the international break the worst thing in the world? Now, a lot of people might say, what about war? what about the war in Israel? What about the war in Russia? And I go, I mean, those are terrible. You know, war was bad. But the international break in football is a very close second. Oh, my goodness. Why do we keep doing this? It's so terrible. France won, what, 14-0? Why does this happen? There has to be a better way. Look, every single continent has their... We've got AFCON here. They've got Euros. By the way, if you're in Germany, I'm coming to Euros next year. It's going to happen. Why don't they just use those tournaments as World Cup qualifiers? Why do we need this malarkey? Who's my, my thing about international football, like in the season, who's it for? Nobody likes it. Right? In Germany, the, t- the fans want to watch Bund- Bundesliga. In Spain, 
you think Barcelona fans want to be watching Spain? I mean, it's a bit of a tough one because Barcelona fans, <laughs> if they had their own way, by the way, they've got their own international team. So maybe bad example. You know, the, the Catalans, okay, let's not get into the yellow uh, the yellow ribbon there. Pep Guardiola sneaking in and playing. But you get what I'm saying is Atletico Madrid fans don't want to be watching Spain in the bloody middle of the week. They don't. They don't. And people will say, yes, but what about... The, they don't. They want to watch at Euros and maybe when they're playing Italy. No Juventus fan wants to watch Italy now. I mean, nobody wants to watch Italy. They're terrible. But you get, like, who is who's the international breaks for? And if I'm the Premier League and La Liga and the clubs, I'm trying to get that reduced. In fact, I'm trying to get it cancelled. Let me tell you why. I mean, it's not going to happen. Infantino's playing a whole, a whole different game. Shout out to the African League or whatever they, they're doing now. That Sundowns one. But if I'm the clubs, what the international teams don't pay the players. And I'm sorry, but players are assets. If I'm the clubs, I would get together, just like they did for the Super League, and I'd be putting serious pressure on FIFA to halve the, the amount of, of league games. Like Erling Haaland's injured now. Vinicius Jr. is injured now. If you're Real Madrid, Vinicius Jr. is arguably the biggest product. <laughs> and listen, the way he's being treated in Spain, some people some, some people in Spain may go, we're delighted that he's not playing. But okay, different, different story for a different show. But Vinicius Jr. is, I would argue, the biggest product now in La Liga, right? If I'm Javier Tebas, I don't know if that's how they say it in Spain, but if I'm Javier, Javier Tebas, right? or whatever his position is at La Liga, I'm absolutely fuming as La Liga because they invested right, in building the La Liga brand around the Real Madrid brand. And by the way, La Liga, I've, I work with them, Trust me, they are putting money in behind building the Venetius brand as well. Because a happy big Venetius is a happy Real Madrid is a happy La Liga. Because La Liga, these are smart people, right? They understand that Venetius is good. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. Venetius on TV is fans in Brazil, is fans in England. Venetius is a global megastar. Now he's injured for two and a half months. What is that? Do you think? Do you think the partners that work with La Liga, right, are going to go? Oh well, Vinicius is out. Cool, we're happy. What happened in? If you want to see how cutthroat corporates are, you saw in lockdown they just shut down the funding. Like, sorry, you guys aren't playing. We don't want to hear it. We're canceling our contracts. Like, like these massive corporates are not playing around. Erling Haaland's injured now. Like, if I'm Man City, I'm going, oh my goodness, what are we doing? And, and the international teams and the countries will go, what about the passion? I say, put your passion in a dustbin and leave it outside for the trash men to collect with the bloody massive noisy trucks. Because passion, as a, as a friend of mine always said, passion doesn't pay the bills. If I'm Man City, I'm saying, I'm paying Erling Haaland a rumored half a million pounds a week I don't want to hear about Norway I did, it's, the last thing Sheikh Mansour wants to hear about is Norway the, the last Javier Tebas 
could not care about the seller sale. He like he he honestly and shouldn't. By the way, he's La Liga should feel aggrieved. If I'm La Liga, I'm feeling aggrieved. Like, what are we doing? Who's international football for? Because at the end, you know, the only people that suffer is the fans. Like now, now I've lost Vinicius. And don't get it wrong. We must never get it twisted. I know the fans always get pushed to the side. The only reason sponsors come is because we watch. Don't ever forget that. Like I know sometimes, listen, sometimes these corporates, the Premier League, La Liga, and again, I work with all of these companies, but I have to be open. Is Sometimes they treat us like they operate without us. But the only reason, and I mean, EA Sports is not sponsored. The only reason EA Sports sponsors La Liga is the fact that Lots of people watch La Liga and they understand it is a brand you want to be associated with. It's as simple as that. Because of the fans, the billions of human beings that want to watch Vinicius Jr. So if I'm if I'm La Liga, I am I cannot tell you. If I was Javier Tebas, I am on the phone with Brazil, and the, there is a compensation figure that um international teams actually have to pay club teams in this situation, by the way. That that isn't that is stipulated. But if I am La Liga, I am on the phone with the Premier League. And listen, all of these leagues are competitors, right? I don't know what the relationships would be between La Liga and the Premier League and Bundesliga. But but honestly, if I'm La Liga, I get on the phone now with the head of the DFB. We, we, so we get a hold of the, the, the head of Bundesliga, the head of the Premier League, the head of Serie A. Let's all get around a, a roundtable situation here and go, guys, what are we doing here? Because you can see that they'll have a chat, these club guys. And, and listen, if the, if the head of, um, of the leagues don't do it, the clubs, if I'm the club, we saw they'll do it for the Super League, right? If I'm the clubs, I'm actually doing a round table. Right? If I'm the top 20 clubs, I'm doing a round table. I'm going, guys, what's going on here? And then we got to go get a hold of Sefer in there and say, my man. You need to go talk to Infantino because we know FIFA and, and UEFA can't stand each other. And Infantino and Seferin are now fighting it out to to add more games to everything, even though they cancelled the Super League saying it was just about money. But now they're adding even more games for other stuff, hypocrisy, whatever. But if I'm the top 20 clubs, I'm putting pressure on Seferin. Do your job. Do your job. You must go and fight with Infantino to say, cut this thing in half. Because we pay the bills. If I'm Real Madrid, we pay the bills. Borussia Dortmund, I pay the bills. Bayern Munich, we pay the bills. Man City, Man United, I pay the bills. So are we going to do this thing or not? Because here's where, here's the next step that's coming for me. Remember Fergie used to do this all the time. For me, in these qualifiers and things, if I'm in the club, Erling Haaland's always got a tight hamstring around the international break. Always. And I remember, so there is also a law. Remember when Claude Makelele wanted to retire from international football? Now, this is very, very different. But Didier Deschamps wouldn't let him. And <laughs> Mourinho said some unsavory things. I, I don't know if you saw, you remember it, but Mourinho said uh, it's it's tantamount to slavery, basically forcing Makelele to play. So you're actually not allowed to retire, which is something I found very interesting. I learned that through the Claude Makelele situation. So I wonder what the stipulation would be around, sorry, like, Bernardo Silva's got a tight hamstring every international break. Harry Kane, if I'm Bayern Munich, his knee is just, it's too sore to play. That's where we have to go. If I'm, and you, you as football fans and your clubs, that's who you've got to be loyal to. 
Because the ultimate thing for me is he who pays the piper plays the tune. We saw it at the Super League. These guys will do it. Oh my God. Can you imagine what it's like on Monday morning? Or not even. When did Vinicius get injured? Sometime in the week. Could you imagine Florentino Perez throwing his glasses down in his untailored suit? Incredible that Florentino Perez wears terrible suits, by the way. If you haven't seen, go to France 24. I know a thing or two about tailored Italian suits. He's one of the richest men in the world. Florentino, I mean, let's get our suit game up there. He's always wearing that terrible gray suit. What's he doing? Like, I like Florentino Perez because I like people that stick to to the man. And listen, he's a controversial figure. Hey? I mean, he gives everyone a hard time. He gives La Liga a hard time. He gives UEFA a hard time. He gives FIFA a hard time. He's a piece of work. But I like that. I kind of like the Joe. But Florentino, what are we doing at the suit game? Anyway, could you imagine? Because he's a piece of work at the best of times. Could you imagine when he heard that Vinicius Jr. is now injured for two and a half months in a meaningless World Cup qualifier for Brazil? Oh, my goodness. And by the way, Davison Sanchez, I hear, is getting threats from the Brazilian mafia now because he, he injured Vinicius. Ugh. Yeah, South America, d- different vibe over there. Ma- amazing place, but they got a whole different vibe moving. They, they're moving different there, cuz. So, listen, if I'm Perez, again, like he did with the Super League, I get the top 20 clubs in the world around and I say, no, 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 no. And I guess I guess the leagues maybe it's not for them to do because the leagues the leagues just want to run the league and make as much money as possible and that's what that's their role. It's not in their interest to protect Real Madrid. It's Real Madrid's interest to protect Real Madrid. I'd love to know what people think, but international break. What a bloody disaster for everyone, at, and at most the fans. Love to hear from European fans because there's a lot of people in Europe who listen to this podcast. Because for me, as a South African, I, I didn't even know Bafana Bafana were playing, to be completely honest. They won 2-1 against Benin. Um, but for European fans, maybe maybe you love your country so much that you just love watching Italy every third week. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. Am I crazy? Maybe because Bafana Bafana are so bad, I have no national pride in my my football team. That I just don't want to watch. I, I, I didn't know Bafana Bafana were playing, by the way. I had no clue. But if you're German, you're watching Kai Havertz giving away a penalty and scoring from left back, maybe you want to do that every week. Love to hear your thoughts. MKT inspires on the socials. Otherwise, MKT at the MKT show. If you want to get into the mailbag, into the mailbag. All right, let's get into the show where I was right or where I was wrong. Remember, if you are listening for the first time, first of all, welcome to the show. It's called the MKT show. I'm MKT. Why is it called M- What does MKT mean? I got that question again. So my name is Mbulelo Kayaletu Tinta. So MKT. There you have it. There's a lot of people going, ah, oh, my word. I didn't, I, I didn't actually know. Like, uh, what does Kayaletu mean? No, no, nobody wants to know that. It, it's not as hard as you think. But I'm not going to explain it now. If somebody wants to know can explain it on the next podcast and maybe some people go why why do you need a middle name your your first name's hard enough already mabalingua by the way hostel master called called me that for three years like, sir 
So you're my rugby coach as well. Mabalengwa, incredible. Anywho, MKT, Mbolelo, Kalitin. Where I was right, where I was wrong. So every Monday, I will tell you where I was right, where I was wrong. So I make big calls. And then, uh, because, because people are saying, I'm the second coming. And I'm like, no, no, guys, come on. That's, that's blasphemous. That's, come on. Let, let's keep it above the belt. Come on. That's too far. You know, there are people that believe in Jesus that will find that offensive and, and rightly, rightfully so. So come on. I'm not second. I'm not the second coming. I'm close because obviously I'm willing to say where I was wrong. You know what I mean? A truth broker of sorts. I can't be a man in an Italian tailored suit on French television and not hold myself to account and think I'm perfect. You know what I mean? You don't get to this level <laughs> without admitting you're wrong. Okay, um, this is where I was right. This is where I was wrong. I'll do this every single Monday. Where I was right, um, Temba Bavuma is not good enough. Now, a lot of people are using his stats in the last sort of 18 months, but I've said from the beginning that Temba wasn't good enough. You know my thoughts. If sportsmen aren't in shape, right? And I, I, what's the term? Body shaming. I will body shame. Like, I, I hate that. In real life, whatever. Do your thing. You, you know, I, I'm, I'm a health advocate. In sport, get out of here. And by the way, we have to look at men's and women's sports separately. I will not accept Temba Bavuma being an international cricketer. And I never accepted it with Graham Smith, with Jacques Callis and Mark Boucher. I do not like that. I never fully bought into that team. I do not like that. Look at that Australia team. Go and look at that Australia team. Those guys are athletes. Temba Bavuma, for one, is out of shape. For two, he hasn't been good enough for five years. He had a purple patch for 18 months, and now people are taking that microcosm. He's not good enough. He's, he's just is not good enough for this level. And just like I told, told you with Marnie Liebock, when it doesn't matter, of course he's going to make runs. Of course he's going to make runs. Teams are experimenting, and there's no real pressure. But the problem is when the pressure comes, then what? Because, you know, pressure makes cowards of all of us, is the great saying. Everybody's magnificent when things are easy. Everyone's a great husband when things are fine and no one's sick and your wife's doing well at work and your child isn't crying and staying up. Everyone's great. But you see the quality of human beings. Think about the people at your office now. When the pressure comes on, you know who to go to. Because you know who the real dogs are. Temba Vuma, not good enough. I was dead right there. He never has been good enough, by the way. It's not controversial to say that. Now, it's a loaded topic in South Africa. It's filled with racial tension. It's filled with this. It's filled with that. It's got nothing to do with that. Temba Bavuma is not an international cricketer. He's not. Listen, I've been watching cricket too long. Don't give me falsified BS numbers. It's playing Bangladesh and all these crap teams. Do me a favor. Uh... It was where I was right. Where I was wrong, Australia won the World Cup. I didn't see this coming. It's the worst Australian team on paper that I've seen in my lifetime. I've been watching cricket since I was four years old. That's 33 years. I've, I, guys, I watched from Alan Border to Steve Waugh, also to Mark Taylor, to Steve Waugh, to Michael Clark, to Ricky Ponting. I've watched them all. I've watched every single Australian era. It, Australia are... I mean, I, I hate Australia because it's in... It's sort of indoctrination as a South African in terms of cricket. Just like that era. But I love Australia. They're my, they're my second team. 
they my second team. Shane Warne's the greatest bowler of all time in my mind. And it's not close. Ricky Ponting is the greatest batsman of all time. It's not close. I'm a big, big Australia fan just because I like people as well. I, I like aggression and I just, I like the brand of Australianism that's going away. I thought it had gone away with Sandpaper Gate, but I was, with this team, I thought, oh my goodness, they're terrible. Outside of Steve Smith, they're terrible. They're not. They're Australia, mate. I was wrong. They've won the World Cup at number six. Where I was like, Gareth Southgate's a joke. Why is Marcus Rashford in the team ahead of Raheem Sterling? Firstly, why is Marcus Rashford in the team? Marcus Rashford's been awful for two years. Uh, not bad. Awful. 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 Raheem Sterling is the best English winger in England this year outside of Anthony Gordon. He can't make the squad. Why is Calvin Phillips in there? Why is Harry Maguire in there? Come on, guys. England comment with this guy. Talk a bit later about standards. I was dead right. Gareth Southgate, what a joke. England will never win with him. Uh, where I was wrong, Kai Havertz is a disaster. It's, it's fallen apart at Arsenal. He's playing left back for Germany now. I, I don't know what's going on there with that lad. I don't know what's going on. I thought he was generational when he came. Obviously, he touted uh, when he came from uh, Leverkusen. It just hasn't worked out. He may need to go home. Some people, it just doesn't work. And the Premier League is the ultimate uh, crucible. Maybe it hasn't worked for that. I was dead wrong. Kai Havertz, not good enough. May have to go. Where I was right. Listen, I think I think refing is better than it's ever been, contrary to what every, everyone's saying. It's just that you see all of the mistakes now. It's like people in society get caught up. It's like... The world is worse than ever now. No, no, no. Terrible stuff's always been happening. People didn't have iPhones 90 years ago. The world was far worse. It was far more sexist. It was far more racist back then. Right? The refereeing standards in the 90s were horrendous. The amount of mistakes. Timekeeping was loose. Refereeing standards are better than ever now. The linesmen and lineswomen are better than ever now. It's just that the mistakes are on YouTube a hundred times a year. So where I was right was that VAR is going to create more problems than it solves. Here's why. We're turning interpretation stuff, right, into slowed down interpretation. And everything in football, in dynamic sport, looks worse in Salomo. I said that three years ago. If you haven't listened to the MKT show since then, when we were on video on YouTube in our studio, I said VAR is going to be a disaster, not because of the technology but because of the human beings who have to use it. The user is only, or, or the, the product is only as smart as the user. VAR is a disaster because of the people. I called that three years ago, and it, it's, it's unraveling now, not because the product isn't great. VAR is fantastic. It's because the people using it don't know how to use it. And I called this, it's causing more of a disaster than the problems it is solving. Uh, lastly, where I was wrong, Everton haven't docked the 10 points. I didn't think the Premier League would ever dock points because they're just such a, a money machine. Whatever the factors are, they've they've now given Everton a 10-point deduction. I don't know what the factors are that all of a sudden they want to implement things when Man City with 115 charges couldn't get charged. But here we are today, Everton for stadium malpractice in terms of accounting and reporting the interest on their stadium that they had to pay back have been given 10 points. I think the, the English Premier League wants to show that they've got teeth. But I was wrong. I never thought I'd see the day where a Premier League team, a Premier League team, 
League, Football League, different story. Premier League team gets a point deduction. I didn't think it would happen in my lifetime. And Everton got a 10 point reduction. I was wrong there. Love to hear people's thoughts. Wow, 10 points. That is where I was right. That is where I was wrong. At MKT Inspires, would love to hear your thoughts um, on the socials. I'm most active on the gram, by the way. I mean, I'm on the tweet monster, but Twitter's chat function sucks. Or X, sorry. The X function sucks for, for like chit-chatting, you know? If you're going to chit-chat, get in the mix on, on the gram. MKT inspires Mike Kilo Tango inspires across all social media platforms. I'm on TikTok, by the way. I, lo- I love TikTok. I've got to be honest, I love TikTok. The TikToker. Follow me there, MKT inspires. I'm MKT inspires everywhere, and the MKT show is available, of course, on all social media platforms. Get in the mix. Get into the mix. All right, um, let's finish off the show on this one. And I, I was just watching Australia doing their thing, man. Cricket's their thing. You know, the Springboks, rugby, South Africa's thing. I know everybody says football. It's not really our thing. Football's not our thing. We, we enjoy football. It's not our thing. Like, you got to evolve, right? If you want to be the best, it should hurt to lose. It doesn't hurt anyone for my final final to lose. But rugby's our thing in South Africa. Everyone else plays rugby. For New Zealand and South Africa in rugby. Obviously, we have four where Bellis is. They don't. They've got three. It's a big difference. But it, the Springboks and South Africa, rugby's our thing. We don't play rugby. It's our thing. It's very, very different. It's very, very different. Everyone else is playing cricket. It's Aust- Cricket's Australia's thing. I can't really explain it much better than that. I don't know how to explain it to you. But the baggy green, right? When they say the baggy green... They're not playing cricket. Cricket's our thing. And when something's your thing, when it's your thing, you're not just gonna you're not gonna be okay with losing. But I thought I thought I'd tell you this quick uh, sort of some thoughts. It, it made me reminisce about my own life. And I remember watching my father waking up at like felt like four a.m. every day, Monday to Sunday, just like this guy is a tank, right? And he was in bed after us every night. I'd get home from school. You know, he, I mean, we didn't always live together. So, but whenever my, my, my memories of my father was, I wake up, he's fully dressed in the study. I go to bed. He's still at, in his office working. I wake up, he's in different clothes. He's working. Like, when did this guy sleep? But th- th- that's my everlasting memory of my father. And, you know, it, it, it had me thinking about my, my, myself. Like, in my 20s, I really, really screwed up. And, but I always knew what the standard was. You know, you know, even though I was going through my problems, like, I had an anchor in my mind. Like, that's the standard, dude. Like, this is what your family does. And it, my father is that sort of model for me. And he set the standard. Whether he realized it or not because my dad's just a my dad's not like a looking for praise type of person he just gets on with it you know uh, like he, he doesn't do well done and birthdays and big celebrations like my dad just gets on with it provides and keep it moving like in his mind i've never spoken to him about it but i think in his mind it's just like no this is what i'm supposed to do yeah no need for hellabaloo you know 
So, but I always knew that. And I was just thinking to myself, you know, <laughs> 10 years ago, there's no way I'd be speaking the way I'm speaking now. But I was thinking, it's so vital to set standards because it's not about you. Like, if you want to be a next level person, right? And I, I'm not shy to say this. I, I want to be a next level person across the board. I want to be a high level brother. I want to be a high level friend. I want to be a high level working person. Like, I want to be a high level person across the board. Now, may not be possible to be high level um, on all of those things, but but I want to aspire to these things. And it all comes back to one word: standards. Right. But if you want to be really, really high level, what you've got to realize is it's not about you. Sia and Rassi always go on about this for the Springboks is it's super vital to set standards. But if you want to set high standards, what you've got to make those standards quite quickly is not about yourself. It's not about you. Because when you make things about yourself, human beings, once they feel pain and it's painful to have standards, usually fold in. But if it's about something greater than yourselves, it's why people use religion. I think it's a, it's a tremendous model for something outside you, bigger and better than you, to hold you to a standard. But standards are quite simple, hey? Standards are repeated high-level behavior. That's all it is, by the way. Like, don't complicate it. All standards are is repeated high-level behavior. And listen, if you're relatively smart, you can quite quickly in your part of the world, as a brother, as a sister, as a child, as a, you know, as a son, as a daughter, as a accountant, you know what the high level is. Like if you want to go and work at Investec and you're struggling, you know why you're not getting into Investec. Like it's not that hard, but you got to, as the youth are saying, you, you got to keep it real with yourself. That's hard. That's when people fold, right? When it's about them. Standards are repeated high level behavior. That's not for everyone, by the way. There's a reason why there's the 1%. There's a reason why there's the 10%. But there's a reason why there's the 1%. Because there's a standard. There's a reason why people from Harvard employ people from Harvard. It's not because they like them. or It's because they know that that person knows the standard. I don't have time to explain the standard to you. (laughs) Rich people don't have time. Successful people don't have time to explain the standard to you. That's why they go, oh, he's an alumni. Oh, bring him in. Bring her in. It's all about standards. People give themselves far too much credit in this world. Most people just care about being successful. And successful people don't have the time to explain the bottom line standard to you. And there's a word that goes around often now. Hey, I hear it a lot. Passion. I say passion's useless without standards. Because I like passion, by the way. I'm, I like to think I'm a passionate person about what I do. I'm passionate about two or three things, you know, like my family, football. Yeah, probably those two things. And family, I include my friends, you know. Friends and family, I'm passionate about that. I, I get fired up for my friends, about my friends, about my family. And I get fired up about sport. Those are mostly the two things. Like, I'm an idiot. I'm, I'm not like an intellectually deep person. With Like, I'm not a very... I don't have much emotional depth, you know? So I can't get fired up about that just because it's not in my makeup. Like, I am who I am. Working on it, but who knows? Who knows how hard I'll work on that? But passion without standards is useless. It is useless. And Australia and the Springboks, they really reminded me of my father, hey? 
I've got to tell you, I've got to be honest. Because my father took it personally when things went wrong. He, he, he never blamed anybody. I don't remember my father blaming anybody when things got messed up. He'd always ask himself. I remember him asking himself, what did I do wrong? What, what could I have done more in order for you to succeed? And he would build templates for people and push them and push harder and build better templates and refine. My dad's an engineer, so engineer, you know, refine, recycle, upcycle, make it better, make it easier for you, build the system. Is it replicable? Can I scale it? Like this is just the way world I grew up in. Australia and the Springboks take it personally. Looks like they just hate losing. Now, I can't quite explain what that looks like. But it always feels personal to Australia, Australian cricket, when they lose. It doesn't for South Africa. Like, and what's worse is it's permeated into society. I saw a lot of the tweets and the X messages saying the boys tried. Like, what are you talking about? It doesn't feel personal to lose. It's not, it's not sore to lose. It doesn't hurt to lose. Proteus loses and it feels okay. It's like... Oh man, oh well. And and a lot of people on social media expect me to take the protest seriously. No. People ask me why I don't talk about certain sport. Here's what I, here's the way I look at it. It's not my job as a broadcaster to take you seriously. It's your job to take yourself seriously. It's not my job as a fan to take you seriously. It's your job to take yourself seriously. And once you take yourself seriously, you give me no choice but to take you seriously. You know in your life, you know who serious people are. When you're around serious people, you don't act the same. Be honest. If you want a girl to be your girlfriend, right? Like I met a serious person recently. And I was like, yeah, okay, that's different. Like, you know, that, that's not just someone who... I'd like to give a hug and see her five times and uh, goodbye. But I, I met somebody who I thought, oh, that's what a serious woman looks like. Oh, that's a serious person. Just talking to her like, oh, that's serious. I'm not moving the same around that situation as other girls. You know in your life when you meet someone serious. You can't because serious people immediately make you get serious. Because they're serious, man. You, you can't move in their circle, in their sort of lexicon. You, you're not even going to be in the mix if you don't take yourself seriously. But the only reason they expect you to take yourself seriously is because they take themselves seriously. Why should I take the protest seriously? People telling me, well done. Oh, what? It's not my job to take anybody seriously. It's not my job to talk about you. If you're not serious. Take yourself seriously. Then I'll take you serious. And this is for everyone in the world by the way. Maybe some people disagree. It's nobody's job. It's not your mother's job. Your father's job to take you seriously. You must take yourself seriously. Then they can take you seriously. It's not your friend's job to take you seriously. And I didn't. Listen. You're talking to somebody who. Until I was 30 I would say. I didn't take myself seriously. I'm not saying you can't be fun, by the way. But you've got to conduct yourself in a serious manner. Again, repeated behavior of being a high-level person. Standards. 
while Chai doesn't fly at JP Morgan at BlackRock at Allianz. That's not going to cut it there. So why does it cut it with the Proteus? It doesn't cut it with Australia. It doesn't cut it with the Springboks. Rusty Rasmus doesn't play well tried. What Pat Cummins and the Jens have going there. Listen, say, look here, guys. ICC Championship. All right. We need to show up there. Ah, you can dilly-dally around in all these little play-play series. ICC Championship, Jens, I'm going to need you to bring it, says Cummins. It's the ashes now. Guys, we're going to... It's not about us. This is about a whole Australian nation. It's about Alan Border. It's about Mark Taylor. It's about Dean Jones. It's about the mandem here. There's a standard here. This is the baggy green. We're not, we're not going to England to lose. ICC Championship. Ashes. Retained. Pat Cummins is so serious. He took... He, he, he gave away IPL millions of dollars he'll never get back. He said, no, no, no. Guys, look. I need a break. Because in 12 months... I'm playing ICC Championship. I'm playing Ashes. And then it's the World Cup. You know why Pat Cummins did that? Because he's serious. Losing is not an option. For other people, it's an option. Not for Pat Cummins. Because it's not about him. He's thinking Michael Clark set a standard here. When you wear this jersey, there's a standard. When Fuff and those guys are playing, Eust and the guy set a standard. Chester Williams set a standard. Brian O'Banner knows you can't just play, be in the number 11 jersey and mucking around. Mabimpi knows that that's not a thing to play around with, bro. That's not a thing to play around with. It's about winning. Nothing else matters. JP Morgan, BlackRock, Allianz. Those people don't want to hear well tried. I'm talking about billions of euros here, my man. This is a billion dollar. These are trillion dollar industries. Well tried. Leave that at home. That's for you. Dude, that's for your girlfriend and your mommy. Like, well tried. Go to your mommy and girlfriend and cry. Don't come to Allianz's office. Don't come to BlackRock. Don't come to Investec. Don't come to Discovery. Don't come to La Liga. Don't come to the Premier League and you want to work in those environments. You pitch up on Monday. You haven't done your job. You, you go to Standard Bank. Right? And you tell them, Sorry, I didn't. Uh, the pitch deck isn't ready. The report isn't ready uh, for the AGM. What do you think the CEO of Standard Bank would happen to him or to her? I don't, I don't even know who the CEO is. But what would happen to him or her if she pitched up at the AGM and said, oh, my report's not ready? What do you think shareholders would say? What do you think the board would say? Get that scum. Oh, but I tried. What? What? The next person I hear saying about the protest, they tried. But Australia and, and the Springboks, man, they really reminded me of my own life. And, the, you know, international sport is all about winning, guys. It's all about winning and losing. Nothing else matters. All of those lessons, the, the, philosophy, the philosophy of sport, the lessons of what we want to imbibe into our kids. Number one, you should be doing that at home. Number two, that's what provincial and uh, high, high school sports are for. That's when you form the, the girl or the guy. That's when you infuse those ethos into them. Because only, I mean, 0.5% of them are going to make it to international level, if not less. 0.0 whatever percent makes it to the international level. At that level, right? At that level, it's about winning and losing. I, Alan Ball is one of the most deplorable people I've ever read about. But he's a winner. 
Duncan and Fernley made a bat after his name. Come on, guys. These are, we know the Australian guys, Kookaburra, sponsored some deplorable, deplorable people. Roy Keane, ugh. Ask you Man United fans about him. At that level, it's just about winning and losing, guys. Please, can we stop? Is this what we want our kids to learn? No, what you need to, uh, number one, you need to tell your kids most of them aren't going to make it to the top. But you also need to tell them, if they want to go and work at J.P. Morgan, if they want to get into Harvard, if they want to get into Oxford, right, they might not get in. Because they may not have, right, there may be a girl or a guy from China who has the win-now mentality, who will do anything to win. Because when you get to Oxford, it's real life there. They're not playing there. There's no, oh, you tried. <laughs> there's, no, there's none of that nonsense. Go to UJ for that. If you don't know UJ, University of Johannesburg, it's not Oxford. Yeah, you can go to Wits. I, I went to NMMU. You can go to there, those places to play around. They're not playing around at Brown. Cambridge. My father's a Cambridge alumni. That's not a place to go and play around. You guys can go play around at Duckies or wherever you guys are playing around. At Sciences Po in France, they're not playing. There's no well-tried here. Do you get straight A's? And if you don't, see ya that's international sport did you win or did you lose nobody cares nobody cares about anything else I don't want to hear about quite frankly all of those guys are millionaires the last thing I want to hear about is the the human side of it do me a bloody favour like why are we apologising for millionaires whose jobs are to win like you lost cool let's get over it and don't expect us to support you like the Springboks. That I hate. Well tried is for losers, dude. Listen, there's a context, right, in life. Not everyone can win. And it is, as my father always used to say, the hard work is in itself the reward. It is important to leave it all out there. Right? But there also comes a point where did you win, did you lose? Because well tried... Listen, there's married people who listen to this podcast. Well tried only flies so far with your wife. Eventually she's tired of, I tried. I tried, I couldn't leave the office. Ah, three years in, you're getting some papers that say, uh, I'm moving out, I'm going to need some child support. Well tried at the top level, with your wife at BlackRock, at international cricket. The well tried doesn't, it doesn't hold, it doesn't wash, my man. Listen, stop apologizing for losing. Like, as South Africans, we should be hurt. Australia and Springboks. Australian cricket and Springboks. Well tried doesn't work. You know why? Because when you're okay, because what tends to happen is with ach shame. We call it ach shame in South Africa. When you start accepting losing as being okay, you erode the standard. Because everything you do, right, with setting standards, is, is you should be trying to win. Again, you can't win them all. That's not what I'm saying. But you should make losing painful. And that's what Australia and the Springboks have done. Don't apologize for losing. You're a loser. Okay, cool, let's move on. It's not good enough. And you should say that. It's not good enough. Stop saying, stop saying, oh, guys are becoming philosophers now. You left it all out there. Do me a favor. 
Listen, the Australian guys know they had no option. Like, I knew they were going to win. Australia are in the final. They, they're going to win. Of course. It's what they do. They have to. They have to win. Not because they want to win. They have to win. You know what? It's the standard. Alan Border, Mark Taylor, Steve Waugh, Ricky Ponting, Michael Clark. It's the standard. You play in the baggy green. We don't lose here. We don't do it here. Other people lose. Big games. We don't lose here. Six World Cups. Six World Cups. It's the standard. It is what it is, guys. You know, everybody, I think, information is so readily available now. And everybody thinks winning is just like something you do on Instagram and after a year you become a winner in life. Not how it works. <laughs> not how it works. You've got to make it painful to lose. And it's not painful for most people in life. It doesn't feel like when I encounter people, and I'm talking across the board, it just doesn't feel painful to lose. And again, I understand it, man. It's much more comfortable to become okay with mediocrity because that's fine as well. Not everybody should. Not everybody's an A-type person. I, I, th- I don't think the world would do very well in that, in that world. But if you want to get serious, if you, if you would really, really want to get serious, painful, the most painful thing in the world should be to lose. No matter what you're doing. Like letting your family down should... For me, in my 20s, it wasn't painful because I wasn't that guy. Now, oh, let, I mean, just thinking of letting my family down now, it, 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 it's actually, I'm simulating it and it hurts me now. Just thinking of it. And I wouldn't say I'm like high level sun guy yet, not the sun I want to be, but I'm working towards that, right? I want the standard. I want like, like, oh, that's what a sun should look like. You know, if you're a husband, Surely, somewhere inside of you, you want to be the best version of whatever a husband is. And there's measurables, by the way. There are measurables across the board. I'm not a husband, but I would imagine there are people who are working on themselves, great human beings out here who want to be the best husband, best wife possible. There's measurables. There's ways. Being reliable. That's a standard. That's a high-level standard. It's a, that's what Australia say. To Australia, to the Springboks, I say this. Good on you, mate. Good on you. To the Aussies, they've won the World Cup, number six. Good on you. You are the gold standard. We'd love to hear your thoughts. MKT inspires. Your thoughts on the Australian cricket team, Springboks. And if you're a Protea fan, I would love to hear your thoughts. And if you support India, well tried. Do you accept that? I'm big on standards, eh? I wasn't for a long time. I'm not better than anyone. I'm trying to level up. And for me, standards is something I have, have been set at home. You know, like my mum, workaholic, works, worked herself to the bone to give me a life I could never have imagined. My, my father the same. My father is just another level in terms of work, work ethic and setting a standard. I would love to hear your story. You know, and standards are, are they challenging, hey? They're very, very challenging. And I'm quite fortunate in my line of work I hang out with a lot of elite athletes, especially in the running world. You know, a couple of years ago, I met Eliud Kipchoge. Um, and I, I had, because of the job I work, so I'm, I'm like a commentator and I, I do press conferences at, 
at marathons and I sat with him for half an hour. It was one of the most powerful things I've ever done. I thought he was a bit of, like, you never know these guys. They're like products. But, but the way he's talking, his conviction of running is the only thing that matters to him and his wife is in line with that and she understands and she supports because he's created a life in and around everybody understanding what he's working towards. But just his clarity in talking about wanting to be the best and what he was doing. Because I was, I was peppering him. And, like, he just, in his mind, of course I want to be the best. But here's the things I do. And I asked him about routines and how often he's running, who he runs with, and toughness. I asked him his thoughts about toughness, you know. And it, but he's just so clear. It's like, no, of course, I have to be the toughest runner in the world. Incredible. Springboks. Australia. Good on you. MKT inspires. MKT at the MKT show. Your thoughts. Your thoughts on standards. It's my favorite word in the world. I'm working on it. Repeated behavior. Repeated high-level behavior is how you set standards. And it matters what you do today. Because what Alan Border did in the 90s is affecting Australia now. What Jus van der Vesthuizen and James Dalton and Mark Andrews did in 1995 is affecting the Springboks now. What my father did for me, 30 years ago, when I didn't even realize what he was putting into me, it wasn't about him, and he realized that. It made me really think, Australia today, like, in order to set standards, you, I have to start now, because it's not about me. Again, I don't know who's watching. I've got nieces and nephews. You've got to set the standard now for 30 years' time. I may be wrong, but, but it just hit me today, like, Australia, this win wasn't about today. It was about Alan Border, Ricky Pony, Steve Wall, Michael Clark. The Standard. Good on ya. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is MKT. This has been the MKT Show. And for now, I am the hell out of here.